The Lancet Psychiatry Podcast, bringing you the latest news and views from around the world of mental health. Thanks for joining us. On January 14th, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services announced that it was dropping its requirement for the so-called X waiver with the goal of making it easier for doctors to prescribe buprenorphine, which is a critical medicine for treating opioid addiction. Here to talk with us about the X waiver and this new change in guidelines is Dr. Kimberly Sue, who is the medical director of the National Harm Reduction Coalition, instructor in the program in addiction medicine at Yale University School of Medicine, and author of the book, Getting Wrecked, an ethnographic account of women with addiction in the U.S. incarceration system. Dr. Sue, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So um, I guess to get started, could you give us a bit of an idea of what, what is the X waiver exactly and maybe a little bit about what its supposed rationale was for, for implementing it? Right. So the X waiver is a very interesting peculiarity that came about with the medication buprenorphine. It was written actually into law in 2000 in the Data 2000 Act, which made buprenorphine legal in the United States by the FDA to prescribe buprenorphine for opioid use disorder. And the X waiver was a mandated training program that physicians would have to do, which ultimately ended up being eight hours of training in the medication to be able to prescribe it safely. There also came particularities around how many people you could prescribe it to in a certain period of time. So for example, you might hear 30 patients as a number that was batted around in the first year. Mm -hmm. And so these particularities came about as part of this particular legislation. Now there's basically no other medication in this country that has these caps of taking care of patients with this medication or that has these unique timelines for when you can when you can expand the number of patients you can you can treat. So if I was going to prescribe insulin, no one would ever tell me that I have to stop at 30 patients. That's that's too many. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a very unique particularity in all of um, American medicine. We don't have any other medication that has these um, these special rules. Okay. And just to confirm, so uh, this this X waiver, it still exists, but the new guidelines are essentially just saying that it's no longer a requirement. Right. So these, um, the changes that were made are really amazing. They're not enough. It's really physicians who already have a DEA registration and it's taking out the requirement of them doing that additional training. So for example, I do some of the trainings and it takes a lot of time to ask a practicing doctor to take several hours out of their day Mm -hmm. where they would otherwise be working in the emergency room or working shifts or making, you know, making income to to come to this additional training. So we used to see a lot of doctors just say like, oh, someone else does that in my hospital. I don't need to do that. And that training for physicians only is going away. It does they still have to write the medication with an X on it, uh, but basically they're, they're allowed to do it for 30 patients, except if you're uh, in the emergency room and there's no cap if you're in the emergency room. 
Okay. So for someone who may not be, you know, as familiar with U.S. addiction medicine and, and policies, um, it can be kind of, confu- you know, so you have the X waiver and now you have essentially a waiver of the X waiver. Um, and I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about how the X waiver and, and then even this new guideline, how it fits into the broader context of U.S. politics and attitudes towards addiction treatment and I guess kind of more broadly, why do we make it so hard to get people who, who are dealing with addiction buprenorphine? Right. This is a really complex question. Medication for opioid use disorders are highly effective and we are only facing an overdose crisis in this country. The recent numbers from the CDC just show overdose deaths involving opioids going up. We're going in the wrong direction. So we need low barrier access to the medications that are approved for opioid use disorder, which is buprenorphine and methadone. And we need to figure out ways in which we can destigmatize these medications. Buprenorphine is a medication that you can get at your regular pharmacy, along with high blood pressure medications or your high cholesterol medication. Um, some people get prescriptions for a month with a refill. It's just a regular medication. And that's how I tell patients about it. Methadone for opioid use disorder, people still have to go to special clinics. Um, that has a lot of stigma. They have to go daily and be watched taking the medication. So one part of our goal in getting access to these medications is really you know, freeing the confines of the ways in which methadone historically has been administered, which is part of structural racism in this country. Many uh, Black Americans, uh, you know, and other people of color get offered methadone and not buprenorphine. Mm. Though they're subject to these systems of surveillance and, you know, kind of control. So these medications have intense stigma. And uh, so undoing it with increasing access in in any little way, including this recent policy regulation is great. It's just, these are just regular medications that we use that are life-saving, that decrease your chance of having another non-fatal or fatal overdose significantly. And we should, I always say that if it's harder for a patient to get buprenorphine than it is to get a bag of fentanyl, then we're not doing our job. Do you also hope that that the Biden administration will will uphold this change? Yes. Um, People have been advocating for these changes for years. Honestly, it's an incredibly safe medication. It's very easy to start and it's so much safer against respiratory depression and overdose than many, many other formulations of opioids we have. So it's got a wonderful safety profile and it's fairly easy to start. I always say it's leagues easier than starting insulin, which requires weight-based calculations and dosing and a lot of math. So decades, you know, years of advocacy, honestly. And when I heard about it, I was, you know, it's just something you feel like you ask for all the time and you say all the time, it's on my list of to do's and my wish list. And then to have it done in a certain way was, was really amazing. So thanks to a lot of people on the ground who are, you know, advocating for these changes, but, you know, it's not enough. I, you know, the CDC numbers showing how, how um, the overdose deaths are going 
up involving fentanyl and fatal, you know, sorry, fentanyl and other opioids. It's, we really have to innovate here. And this is one mm -hmm. low hanging fruit. This has been the low hanging fruit for a long time. So I'm not surprised that they chose to do this first. Um, we can make it better. And I hope the Biden administration, I have many ideas about what the Biden administration can do. As a provider, what do you think the actual practical ramifications, what, what do you see as, as things that will actually change and things that might still be a little tricky? Right. Last week, I was doing technical assistance for a health care center in Alaska. And the team there asked me, our doctors don't want to do it. They don't want to prescribe it. We are all set up to go. What can we do? Now they don't even have to do the training, but will they still prescribe it? I'm not sure. They could now, but they the the thing that the X waiver really did was codify stigma. You know, mm -hmm. really allowed people to hide under this guise of I want to make sure that there's enough behavioral health, and I want to make sure that I don't feel that comfortable with which is coded language for I don't want to take care of this. Mm -hmm. Which the irony is taking care of patients with buprenorphine is the best thing in the world. People feel better, they get better, and it's really rewarding and wonderful and it's easy. So I go around preaching that gospel, but it's very difficult. You know, even if every primary care doctor took care of 10, 15, 20 patients who have opioid use disorder in this country, in their area, we would see changes. Now, if they're gonna be able to do that, I'm not sure. You know, I think perfect is the enemy of the good. So getting your clinics set up in a perfect environment and perfect referrals and perfect things really isn't necessarily what we need right now in the setting of this overdose death crisis. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really happy to talk to other doctors about how to do it, how easy it is. I'm kind of on call for doctors around the country who want to learn how to do it. And so are so many other addiction specialists as well. So in so what other policy changes would you like to see coming from the Biden administration? The changes that we made in the beginning of the COVID pandemic to methadone and buprenorphine, which included changes to telehealth, need to be made permanent, as well as methadone take-homes, which would allow people to take their medication in ways that they were safe from having to go every single day, especially facing numerous COVID risks. So those changes should be made permanent. And telehealth is really incredible for so many places like rural places where you might have to drive two hours a day to a methadone clinic or, you know, four hours, you know, every week to the buprenorphine provider. So that's incredible. And that should, that's game changing and that should stay permanent. We really also need to think about doing methadone in primary care for opioid use disorder. That's the same medication that I could prescribe you for chronic pain, but I can't do it for addiction. So there are places you know, where we should innovate in that. People are doing methadone co-prescribing in pharmacies with primary care doctors working in, in pharmacies. There's a pilot in Rhode Island. So it's not only increasing access to these medications, but other things like funding for syringe service programs, stopping the federal ban on syringe exchange, decarceration. There are so many other things that we need to do. We need over-the-counter naloxone where people could walk in and get it instead of having it tied up uh, behind uh, prescription in many cases. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot, a lot to do uh, that would improve the health and well-being of people who use drugs. 
All right, great. Uh, Dr. Sue, uh, thanks for joining us. Is there, are there any other final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? Thanks for having me. And I hope everyone has a safe and healthy and happier 2021. That's it for this episode. From the entire editorial team at the Lancet Psychiatry, thanks for listening. Be well and stay safe.